Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview Dr. Bill Burgos, an experienced NBA strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he has worked for many NBA teams, including the Honor the Magic, the New York Knicks, and the Timber Wolves. He also worked in the MLB with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, he's also an adjunct professor at two universities in the US, Mississippi State and Austin P. State University. And he's also a strategic advisor for two startups, Logic Inc. and Work. So Bill, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you. Great. So, uh, Bill, what I want to talk to you about today was first we'll talk about your background in elite sports, mm -hmm. and then we'll discuss your experience teaching in college, mm -hmm. and then we'll touch on your approach towards innovation, your favorite mm -hmm. technologies, and then lastly, we'll talk about the current issues with the current technologies being used by pro teams today. Uh, for example, uh, you know, maybe the low adoption rates uh, mm -hmm. and the dip into the workflow, etc. So, how does it sound? No, it sounds great. I'm ready. Great. So, uh, Bill, could you maybe start by telling us about your background in elite sports, in the NBA, in the MLB, and then your experience uh, teaching in college? Um, I mean, uh, to put it all in a nutshell, yeah. um, I think what really set the tone was my experience in the military. Yeah. You know, I was in the Army and Air Force. I was, I'm a combat veteran. So, it, you know, it kind of gave me some discipline insight on how to lead and how to work with people work with a diverse group of people and so by the time I got into professional sports I, I was able to, to employ those skills that I learned while I was in the military yeah. and so um so the answer to your question you're saying like how I got into sports or yeah, yeah so, so how, well yeah first how did you get into elite sports and then yeah. how did you get into teaching in college so how I got into sports um I actually met Actually, I started off in baseball, so I'm bilingual, so I was able to um, get a job in baseball, especially in the minor leagues. Um, so I was able to get a job easily in baseball. Um, I mean, I make it sound easy, but, you know, I had all the qualifications and the credentials yeah. to help support it. Yeah. And so I started off in baseball, got to work with a good group of people who are, you know, they're doing very well in their profession now, uh, yeah. such as Barry Balik. Um, uh, Brandon McDaniels, Chris Dunaway, you know, Kiyoshi, all those guys, um, they, uh, all those guys are doing very well. Yeah. And so from there I ended up meeting a guy named, um, who was a good friend of mine, Joe Rogowski. Uh, Joe Rogowski mm -hmm. at the time was the uh, head strength coach for the Orlando Magic, brought me as an intern, and then it just like grew from there. Um, and so uh, how I got into teaching, yeah. um, basically I was a student at Austin P. Mm -hmm. And um, I became a graduate assistant. At that time, there wasn't really any strength conditioning GAs or anything. So I became a GA for the department, the HHG yeah. department, Health and Human Performance. And then um, one of my duties, of course, was to teach a class. Mm -hmm. And so I was teaching like these wellness, weight training classes, wellness concepts, which then by the time I graduated with my first master's, 
there mm-hmm. wasn't, uh, I didn't really have a job lined up. Yeah. And so the university brought me on, on as an adjunct, you know, basically just continuing what I was doing as a GA. Yeah. And so then from there, I just started developing my teaching skills, you know, um, you know, working with the uh, professors, you know, they were actually mentoring me, Dr. Glass, Dr. Steinberg. Um, and so then from there, um, you know, I, I started to grow in pro sports and I kind of like drew away from teaching. But yep. then the university reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in creating a course, which was evidence-based practice of sports science. And yep. they allowed me to develop the course the way I wanted to, to structure it because I, I was always talking to the university, you know, I wish there was like courses like this. <laughs> so they mm-hmm. gave me the opportunity to develop it. And it was an online course. Yeah. And so from that online course, it just grew to other courses. And then, which in the meantime, I had a relationship with Mississippi State University I was yeah. working up and then with some projects because of my teaching background, uh, Dr. Birch asked me if I was interested in teaching classes and I started developing courses there. And so I teach workplace physiology and biomechanics there. Um, so it sounds like an overnight process, but in reality, yeah. it took time to develop. And, yeah. and I'm still learning as a professor to, to make sure that students are getting the right information. Uh, do you, do you, they, and this is great. So two questions on, on the teaching side. So what exactly do you teach? You mentioned the topics, right? Yeah, yeah. People that take your class, do they want to become strength and conditioning coach? Like, what are, what's the typical students like? Uh, That's a great you know. question. So, it at Austin P, it's it's a we have students that want to be an athletic trainer, yeah. physical therapist, strength conditioning coaches. Uh, some of them just want to be an occupational therapist. Some of them just coaches. And yeah. so, I try to um, you know, like regular sports coaches. So, I try to make the the course um to so each person can understand what it means and, and what it means to them you yeah. know so if you're a physical therapist what does an assessment look like you know um a lot of the stuff that could be used interchangeably in terms of who's actually doing the assessment yeah um, but it depends on what that assessment is of course it's within their scope of practice mm-hmm. but i try to make it um to where everyone can understand and how it affects them in that profession because at the end of the day we're working as a team yeah. right therapist will work with the strength coach, so on and so forth. So I try to make sure that the information that's being given can adopt to any profession. And, but it's all along, uh, you know, the same line in terms of, uh, uh, of a performance team. Yep. And Mississippi State, the students are more of an engineer mm-hmm. and, or they want to be safety officers. And so I try to make sure that it's, it's, it's something that they can relate to. So mm-hmm. I share with them what I do in the workplace and how this could benefit them in their workplace. Um, So, for example, I mean, the way I see it is we're all safety officers, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a strength coach, you're a safety officer, right? You want to make sure this person is going to be safe when they, when they enter the pit, when they get on the pitch, when they're on the court, what the case may be. So we're designing programs based around, you know, um, um, their needs, right? Mm -hmm. Well, same thing if you're a safety officer at FedEx, right? You know, what do they need? All right. What are the common injuries? Low back, you know, you know, so all right, what am I going to do to prevent that or what kind of warms am I doing what's their training history and so uh what are, what are the what's the the, the the amount of force that's being generated on the human body in the FedEx manufacturing plant you know it's the same concept but just things are just a little bit different I mean because at the end of the day I think we talked about this yeah the body doesn't know what it's doing it just knows it's being stressed mm-hmm. and so I think us as practitioners we have to understand and identify that stress and then figure out, all right, how can we um, increase their threshold and make it more of a safe environment based off what they need? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so which brings me kind of my next question. So, um, you know, we live in the world where I was talking to Todd Young uh, just last week, and 
I asked him, I said, how important is technology to you as an NBA athlete? And he said, look, uh, it, well, I guess 10, 15 years ago when we started, there was not a lot of technology using the NBA. But now, you know, you can measure, you know, they use all kinds of technologies, right? To measure mm -hmm. force, strengths, uh, speed. I mean, it's, it's so uh, broad, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are a uh, strength and, and conditioning coach in the NBA or any, in the MLB, so what's your approach towards innovation? How do you use technology? How do you try to use it so that, uh, you know, it, it really helps the athlete and the team? So in baseball, I was in their, I, I was in their minor league system. So I, I worked in the um, low A ball. That was my first assignment. And then I did rookie ball. But, but we didn't really have a lot of technology. Yeah. And so, so what I kind of like focused on was formulas. Uh, in terms of like, for example, there's a ACSM for formula where uh, you got figure out one's uh, VO2 max, just yeah. using a formula. And because we used to do this one and a half mile run and I was trying to figure out what can we do to enhance this in a sense. And so it was cool because they gave me that opportunity to do these things. Like Chris Dunaway was very open and he, you know, cause we're all learning from each other. And so I used a lot of formulas. It wasn't really no wearables or anything like that. Yeah. And so, you know, it was mainly just, all right. When was that? What year was that? Was that was in, in 2008. So, because the wearables came kind of, the wearables came out in 2012, so yeah, we're kind of early, right? So we we didn't really have. So I was just trying to figure out. Like I remember, I would always do base running times. Yeah. And like I never understood why we were taking these base running times. But then we had like a. a, a I remember we had hamstring injuries right within yeah. within the organization. So I started saying, all right, let me look at these base running times, and then start seeing if there's a trend. So for example, are is is there times uh, decreasing yeah. you know which led you see what i'm saying which led yeah. to injury and so i was trying to figure out like um uh, this is before i got into uh, the nba i was trying to figure out what was the percentage of decrease to kind of like alarm us so if we saw a two percent decrease yeah. say, hey we, we got to focus on you know you know the hamstring whatever the case may be but that was just something i was trying to like put together at that time um uh, we didn't really get a chance to implement it because i ended up going into the uh the MBA, but I was just like, just gathering information and trying to make sense of it. But then when I got into the MBA, mm -hmm. I got to work with Dave Hancock, Andy yeah. Barr. The and, next, um, yeah. Yeah. And so Dave, you know, it was my first time working with um, wearables. You know, yeah. I, I've read about it and I've, you know, I've, I've learned about it, but I never really worked with it. And I think at that time we were the only team in the NBA using it. And there was really no rules, um, but it was, it was cool to identify you know, the load that was being placed on the body because it, it, before we never knew. Yeah. And well, so, so and that's I, kind of scary though when you say that. We never knew. Yeah, because... we never knew. Like we had an idea because, you know, it's like the eye test, you know, yeah. whatever, what they tell us. But now you have like, you started getting these objective measures and it was kind of like, all right, now we could look at history. We could look at a lot of things and, and actually pinpoint what's, you know, what's really happening. And so yeah. it was kind of cool to see that in place. And I remember having a big board Dave put a big board and we put these loads and then we started figuring out what their targets are and what the average yeah. is. And so, you know, we're collecting all this information, but we're trying to make sense of, you know, what the player needs. So yes. like, you know, in terms of like making sure that, you know, we're not going overboard with like any of the training. Yeah. And by the way, when you were at the Knicks, were there any NBA players for the Knicks that were super interested in technologies? And then some other guys just didn't care. <laughs> um, you know what? The, the cool thing is, is like they weren't opposed to wearing it. Yeah, um, it was different. But I think what Dave did a good job with was the introduction, like educating. Yeah, 
I think we spent a lot of time educating and prepping versus just putting on. And I think that was the game changer. Yes. And so what I've noticed was like, you know, they still didn't, they were still trying to figure out why, and I don't want to say they were still trying to figure out why we did it. They would put it on, but, but, but they, they knew why. You, you see what I'm saying? And so I hope they didn't feel like guinea pigs at the time because no, I don't think so because it's like it was a part of the program. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, we did it and then like we would talk to coaches, like Dave did a great job in doing that. And it's like it was we were very integrated, you know, in terms of like what I had to do in the weight room with the yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, you know, what uh, like conditioning would be like, um, uh, you know, what what happens in the training room. But then it also I think it kind of like um when you talk about return to play. Yeah. You talk about like um, you know, figuring out what the problem is. I think that kind of sped it up. You yeah. know? Yeah, so, well, yeah. And another question that came to mind is that and I've been following very closely the uh uh the adoption of wearables in the NBA and the MLB. And we actually wrote a piece that's you know for every single league, the big leagues in the world, what is their uh, regulation towards wearables, right? And what's striking is that in the NBA to this day. They still don't allow the use of wearables during live games. Okay, mm-hmm. there was one story one time. This uh, the point guard for the Cavs got penalized because he was wearing a Whoop watch, right? Mm-hmm. And in so and in the MLB, on the other hand, in the MLB, I think they allow like three or four devices uh, to be worn by the players, right? And when I talked to some NBA NBA teams, one NBA executive told me, I still remember that. He said, "June, let me tell you, I'm going to make a prediction." that the day that the NBA get a piece of like betting, betting, sports betting, they would allow any players to wear wearable technology because they'll get a piece of it. So it will not be more, they won't be concerned about privacy all of a sudden, right? Um, but I think as long as they're gonna make some money, then they're gonna open it up to uh, everybody. So I don't know, I wanted to get your take on that. Wow, that's a good question. Um... I think it just depends on how the information is collected because if it's used for medical reasons, then it's like yeah. protected by HIPAA, you yeah. know? And so I just feel like there's a gray, gray area there yeah. uh, when it comes to that, because if you're using wearables, like let's say the guy's getting minute restrictions and you're using the wearables, is that, mm-hmm. you know, is that a, now is it a, considered a medical device? So, you, you know, so, so the, yeah. I think a great, I think there's a gray area there. Um, but I, I, I kind of see where you, where you, where you, where you're going with this in terms of like, if, you know, with the metrics being involved, but I, I see that's a tough one. And I think the other reason why it's not being worn is because, well, one is like, I mean, I had these sensors on guys and, and it flies off. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's, you know, once we could make sure that it's secured, I think that's mm-hmm. one thing. The yeah. other thing is, it's like, you know, figuring out who gets the data. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I also think figuring out is like, what is that data considered? Is it medical yeah. or is it performance based? If it's performance based, I, I think, you know, I could see that being used. But then now if it's medical, you know, I, I, I just don't see it being used. That's, I don't know if you ever thought of it that way, but that's just my take on it. I think it'll be a gray area once it's considered medical because right now they've got minute restrictions. Yes. And they're still, yeah. you know, they're still under the care of the uh, of the, the physician and practitioner at that point. You know? Yeah, I think you have to be very careful, like you said. If you touch on medical data, it's very mm-hmm. sensitive. Um, so, because uh, I remember one time when we had a discussion, where it was years ago, where we were talking yeah. about, and this is with other NBA executives, and we talked about, you know, you know, 
you know, putting performance data in, in medical, like, yeah. you know, be all in one in terms of like an EMR system. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the issue would have been is it's like now, you know, you know, like for me, when it comes to performance, like it's, it's a little different now. Now, you know what I mean? Now, now my way of training has changed a little bit. So it's just, it just starts to become a gray area. But I think with wearables in game, I think it's just figuring out, you know, what is the d- data going to be considered? Is it medical performance? Um, man, that's, I mean, we probably could go on forever on that one. Yeah. So in fact, <laughs> that reminds me of uh, uh, the, the late uh, David Stern. I uh, had a quote one day and he said, my dream is to be able to have a, you know, a coach on the sideline, right? Of an NBA game that can have a, a system where you can say, okay, this guy is getting dehydrated, take him out of the game, right? Or, uh, so I think, I guess if every single team has a system, it's great. It's almost like it's killing the, 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 the game a little bit, right? Because it's so predictable, right? What? Let me let me let me say this, and this is one thing I've always said, and I've, I've said it in interviews. And my thing is, is uh, once you start restricting minutes and doing all those kinds, of, I think you're you're now you're extending the training room onto the court or onto the right. field, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not fair for the coach, because the coach, you know, he designs his strategy based off healthy players, yeah. right? And so I think, and I, don't get me wrong, I totally understand minute restrictions. I totally understand. I get it. But I feel like, you know, it. I feel like I'm not sure if everyone's doing enough in terms of like, um, what can we do better? Like for me, it's, it's a sense like, what can I do better? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. am, uh, what can I control? What can I do better? Do I have to train differently? Is he doing the right things? You know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Before yeah. getting to the point where I'm extending the training room per se into the, uh, mm-hmm. onto, uh, onto the court. Because at the end of the day, it's like, the coach was hired to do to to do a job. I was hired to do a job. And it's not fair for the coach where I'm saying, "Hey, coach, he's coming in, but only three minutes." It's like, is it, it's, it's, it's oh, tough. Okay, so what you're saying is that if we are allowed to use a wearable wearables, right, into NBA games, then you know, coaches could say, "Look, this guy is getting tired. Just take him out of the game," um, and then you have to limit the minutes. Is that what you're saying? I I, I think there's a thin line there, meaning yeah. like. Uh, I now I'm dictating coach what he can and can't do, but yes. but he's being held liable of the success of the team. Yes. So so my thing is it's like you know you know um, before reaching to that point, what can I? I think it's something to evaluate within your within your your team. All right, what can the medical staff do differently? You know you know you start asking questions like what are some short term solutions? What are some long term solutions? But it all boils yep. down what can we do differently? Now, if we, you know, sat down and we basically say, hey, this is, we did everything. Then I understand, you know, we go to coach, hey, coach, we did everything we can. Um, it more, I, I don't know, it's just me. That's just me thinking differently outside the box because I just, I just see coaches, you know, um, having, uh, I don't want to say they're having a hard time. They're not having a hard time. They're, they're doing their best job. I just think it's not fair for the coaches to have a player that's limited when, you know, uh, which call when we could probably be doing a better job. Yeah, you know, I mean, the on, the only I guess good thing about maybe having some sort of technology on the players. So take Kevin Durant, right? If there was maybe some technologies that could have told the Warriors, look, you know what, Katie is about to get a big injury, take him out of the game before it's too late, right? That, that I agree with, yeah. Right. So I think something like that, but I think there needs to be boundaries on how do you implement 
and allow those wearables in games because otherwise there could be a lot of abuse, right? How it's being used. No, you're right. And I think it will answer a lot of questions with the program. Yeah. Like we can probably catch things early on, right? Where you don't have to um, restrict any minutes. Maybe yeah. it's a, maybe, maybe we could do something outside uh, in, you know, um, of the game that we could like, um, that we could control on our side. So that way we could actually get them prepared for coach. You know, you, you, you yeah, 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 I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, I just feel that. like, yeah, it's kind of, you know what, it kind of like goes back to where, what I was saying about the base running times, right? When I start seeing a, a decrease, what can we do differently before an injury occurs? Yes. That's but, exactly but, right. but nothing's changed. You know, the, the guy's still playing. The only thing that's changing is maybe the warm up. Maybe like he probably has to do an additional strength probe, maybe a massage. I don't know, but but we start we could answer those questions easily now, knowing what's actually truly affecting him while he's playing or performing. Yeah, no, I, I think you make a good point. Um, hey, so next question, because you know a lot of the people we listen to the show are technology startups and companies. So, uh, and I know you're involved with some. Hey, companies, hey before right? we get it, I'm sorry. Before yes. we get it, I just want to be clear that. I, I'm not, I don't want to say, I don't want to make, I'm, I don't want, I'm not trying to say that any performance team are not doing a great job. I think everyone is doing an excellent job. Yeah. I just think these are um, things that we probably could like um, do better, I guess, you know, in terms of actually, you know, collecting the information and actually, you know, <clears throat> making sure that they meet the demands that are expected. But uh, I just want to be clear with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think that, thank you for clarifying. So, um, so, you know, what are your favorite technologies that you have come across, uh, you know, throughout your career? Man, this may be a little biased. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> well, there's, well, there's two companies that I'm working with. One is yeah. Logic Inc. Uh, Logic Inc. created this basically temporary tattoo that yeah. um, lets you know if you have too much sun exposure, mm-hmm. um, which led to me connecting with the company because they also created this thing where they can let you know if you're dehydrated before you know you're dehydrated yes. and it's all through saliva, which yep. led to um, them understanding that they could determine one's um, uh, one has traumatic brain injuries based off saliva, saliva within an hour. So that kind of like intrigued me based because of the, it wasn't invasive, you know, just, yeah. um, just licking. And then um, they also let you know if you're pre-symptomatic to COVID, which really? was pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was kind of cool because the one thing that got me was, well, during the NBA, while I was in the NBA, like if I was around somebody yeah. that had COVID, I was shut down for 10 days. Mm-hmm. But imagine, you know, somebody being, um, um, uh, what you call it, they, they get the results back and they know that they're pre-symptomatic, but their symptoms are not showing. Yeah, but I'm around them, but I don't get the effects. Yes. So it's it kind of like you could stop it, you know, at at, at at one point. The other company was um, it's called Work W U R Q, mm-hmm. and Work is basically like the Fitbit of strength. Yeah. And so they're able to uh, calculate strength, power output, and things like that. And so mm-hmm. I, when when I went to go visit them, someone introduced me to them. I went to go visit them, and I I started working out with it. I thought it was so cool that. How does it work? How do you, how do they measure strengths? How do they do that? Well, they have these sensors. Basically, they have this. Um, typically, we will wear a watch, right? You know, like mm-hmm. measure whatever, right? But it's, it's actually just me- measuring caloric output, right? Okay. But with this one is actually measuring your range of motion and your uh, the amount of force and power that's being applied during that exercise. 
-hmm. and then it's collect and it has AI, so it's collecting data and information on you while yeah. you continue working out, and it's letting it lets you know where you need to improve out. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it has these um, couple sensors, so basically, um, is it, able to detect a little bit more in terms of your range of motion. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, uh, what was the other thing that interests me about it? I mean, the biggest thing it was like a virtual coach, you know, yeah. but more of the strength aspect. And yeah. uh, and then it you know it documents everything. And it's just I think it's one of the coolest things out there. And um, and it's still early, yeah. but uh, but it, pretty soon it's going to be it's 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 already like catching wind in the um, in the uh, in the CrossFit space. Um, just because, good, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's already the. Right now, it's going to be there's some there's there's some opportunities where it's going to be at three events where it would be used. Yeah. And like Wadapalooza, I think I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's a Miami event. I think mm -hmm. one in Spain and Madrid, and the other one in Australia. Yeah. And so um, I think it's pretty cool. It's it's a cool product. I think it it, it makes the uh, the life of a strength coach, for example, easier. Because mm -hmm. that's my my thing with technology is what how can it make it easier for me? Yeah. As a practitioner. And collect information but also benefit the athlete in terms of as we're collecting because now i could coach right i don't have to spend these extra hours like documenting and all this i could coach yet at the same time getting this real real-time information that actually makes sense for the individual yeah no that, that makes sense um i'll definitely check them out uh hey, another question i want to ask you is you know we talked about the adoption of technologies right uh among pro teams and people like yourself uh, but what do you think are the biggest issues for the teams to adopt those technologies? Uh, because mm. sometimes, and, and actually you sent me this study, right? That shows that it was done on some NCA teams and 70% of the teams that bought wearables, for example, were actually using them. So 30% of those teams were not using those wearables, right? Uh, because of the, the, the they didn't uh, believe that the data was accurate, for example, right? Mm -hmm. uh, another issue with technology that I've come across is that Sometimes those technologies, they don't fit into the team's workflow, right? If you have to let the, an athlete stand up for like 10 minutes and, and, you know, they don't want to do it sometimes, right? So what do you think are the challenges and the issues for teams to uh, adopt those technologies? I mean, I think, I think there was a few questions. Like one was, um, you were saying the workflow. Yes. Um, I think... Well, I know there's there's most coaches don't believe in it. I'm not talking about I'm talking about like the uh, the coach of the team. Yeah, they, they care for the data, right? But then there's coaches that do care the data. But mm -hmm. I also think like are you know what are you doing as a practitioner to share this? Are you just buying it and then like just using it, or yeah. are you are you including the coach? Hey, coach, you know hey, I'm about to get this product. This is why. This is why I want to do it. And yeah. so that way you could get that you know, early adoption from the uh, coach, right? Basically yeah. the blessing from the coach. So now it's not a surprise when you get it. Hey, this is other teams are doing this. Hey, you know, so on and so forth. I think um, there's there's um, some type of uh, miscommunication there, either like you're not communicating with your coach or involving yeah. them when it yeah. comes to getting the, uh, this piece of um, uh, this, these, these types of wearables. But I also think um, uh, education, like are you mm -hmm. educating them properly on the information? Um, me personally, what I think, you know, for those that are not doing, are not using it, um, and they want to use it and they want to get their coach involved. I think you should include them initially and say, Hey coach, I plan on, I've done that. I've, I've done it. I sat down with coach. I say, Hey, yeah. I plan on doing this. This is yeah. why, and this is why I think it will improve the team and mm -hmm. help with the workflow. 
I think if you could get that going early, I think it, it'll be a success. So I think yeah. there's, you know, I think they just need to communicate better with the, the rest of the staff and include them. The yeah. other one you said, there's something about athletes not using it. Mm-hmm. Same, same concept. I know in the uh, CBA, it talks about, um, talks about like you have to give a written confidential explanation. And I'm talking about the NBA, a written confidential explanation on how this and how it would make them a better basketball player yeah. in layman's terms. Are you doing that? You know, yeah. um, are you actually sharing with them, you know, what makes sense to them and how it benefit them? Um, mm-hmm. I think keeping it simple, like with one or two metrics, of course, you, you're collecting information, but, you know, uh, sharing information that makes sense to them, but they're not overwhelmed and how yeah. this like benefit them as a player and how, you know, other teams, I think that's the same thing. Hey, you know, early adoption um, um, starts with um, early education. And yeah. I think uh, if you're not doing that, you so yeah i think you're breaking up here can you repeat that we're still recording um i forgot where um where oh, I you were talking off. about early adoption early adoption early education so um for example when i was with one team i uh I, my my thought process was to create like a, a video yeah. right like an infomercial for the players you know i was gonna basically use it play and kind of show videos and because I really wanted to, to to like to see it be used and I, me using it and why yeah. and how it benefit them, and so um, and I think you have to start there, right? Yeah. And uh, and it has to be a, and you got to start early. Don't you can't like start in the middle of the season. It has to be early enough. You get the coaches involved. Coaches are talking yeah. about it. Everyone's involved, and I think the uh, the player will follow suit if you do it the right way. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, hey, uh, last two questions. I always, I always ask you ask those questions. I asked those questions to Tad Young last week. So uh, you've been you've been working with a lot of professional teams, right? NBA, MLB. What has been the best coach that you ever worked with, and why? <laughs> Man, that's a tough question because all my coaches were uh, were great. Um, you're lucky then. I, yeah, right. but I mean, but the one that's most memorable. Of course, with Stan Van Gundy, yeah, uh, just because uh, he was my first coach, you know, in the yeah. NBA, uh, he set the tone, he set the benchmark, and um, um, was and, he tough? Know, was he tough to work with? No, he wasn't tough. He was open. I mean, I, yeah. all the coaches were open. I mean, yeah. it's just I just remember him the most just because he was my first coach, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was open. And you just have to be able to explain to him why. And, and how this would benefit the team and um, not just me as a person. I'm not just doing the wearables just to get acknowledgement or anything. No, I'm doing this for the team and yes. then how to benefit them. And so he's open to that. And and he wants to understand why, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, he lets you do your job. I mean, he really doesn't question, but like when, when, but when he does question, he wants to understand why. Yeah. And, but he's, I thought he was easy to work with. He was open. And um, and he understood. As long as you had an effective plan, you were able to implement it. He was not against it. He liked technology. If it's useful, I don't know. it just had to yeah. make sense, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, well, the last question is: uh, What was the the best player athlete that you ever worked with? <laughs> Why? Man. Wow. I mean, uh, 
I mean, the first, uh, wow. Could be a couple. It could be not just one, but maybe like top three. Well, all right. I'll say the top, you know, right now, I'll say D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Right? Um, I work with him a lot and he's, he's, he's a great person to work with. He works hard. He, yeah. uh, he believes in the weight room. He believes in everything um, dealing with fit, anything that, that could help him uh, be a better basketball player. Right. Yeah. Um, just because he loves the game so much. And so, and then he's just, a, he's just, just a, a cool person to hang around, you know, be with, yeah. um, you know, another player I could think of is Vince Carter. He yep. was, you know, he was somebody that I, I, I watched, you know, as a player, you know, as a fan watching and then got a chance to work with him. He's so athletic, mm-hmm. just he's so humble. And the thing is, he's so athletic and he's such a, a, a great basketball player, but yet, like, he's so humble about it. And mm-hmm. then, and, it, and this also leads me to like, Patrick Ewing. I, I didn't work with him as a I was going to ask you about him. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I didn't work with him as a player, but I worked with him as a coach. And I got to, like, you know, train him, of course. But we became good friends with him. And, and he's, like, he loves the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love his, like, his, you know, his stories and, you know, his thought process of, like, you know, what hard work is. And, yeah. and, uh, and I, I, I mean, I just – to be to be around those three guys is, is wild because it's, it's like Patrick – you know, came from the eighties, right? Yeah, Whereas yeah. Vince was in the nineties and then yeah. and then D Lo was in like in the in the two thousands, right? So I got to see all <laughs> I got to be uh be I guess real close with these type of players in different eras. Um but um and they all have the same concept. They're all the same mindset. Even though they're in different eras, they all yeah. wanted to be the basketball player. And so and they were never scared to hit the weight room. And so that just goes to show like how strong um, the weight room is, or just not, I keep saying weight room because I'm a strength coach, but just yeah. performing in general, medical and everything, how important it is to them. And even though it's changed throughout the year, their in, their belief in it was always strong. Yeah, and I, that's what led to them being in there for a long time. And mm-hmm. now the only difference is when uh, when I talk about technology, I have to really explain, you know, to someone like Patrick, you know, how it benefits, just because you know his era, they really didn't use yeah. it but doesn't mean he doesn't believe in it uh, then you have whereas vince he was kind of like in that early stage of being introduced to it right mm-hmm. uh, but then like but he believes in it so that, you know i think is even a, uh, isn't he an entrepreneur investor in technology companies vince Carter? That, I, that i'm not sure of um but but i know he's you know he played he's a, he is a businessman and so yes but i know that um uh, and then you have D'Lo, you know, who, yeah. who 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 basically came into the league in this, you know, when this technology um, uh, saturated uh, league. And so I think that, you know, you know, when, when it comes to education, I think you also got to think about who are you talking to. You know, the yeah. way I may talk to coach is going to be different than I talk to the player. They already have their iPhones with them, <laughs> yeah. and so you know, so I think understanding who your audience is and understanding. Um, you know, who you um, need, I don't want to say convinced, but need to be a strong supporter of what you're trying to accomplish also dictates on how you present it to them. Yeah, I mean, you have to adapt your to your audience, right? Who you're talking to. Yeah. Uh, but look, we, we are at the end of the the interview, but I really enjoy talking to you. So thank you for, for your time. Now, I appreciate you very much, man. And thank you for having me on. I, I, hope, uh, I hope people um, enjoy our conversation. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. 
Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.